0: How many of you got your Christmas lights already up? Oh, let me reverse that. Anybody not have, oh, you're going to be shamed, publicly shamed, no Christmas lights. Bah humbug, let me come to your house because I would be right along with you. Because I, I get sometimes, uh, my wife w- would tell you, I, I get a little upset putting up Christmas trees and ornaments and such. In fact, I'm all right with putting the tree up, and then I just want to go somewhere else. But uh how many of you have lights outside? All right. Anybody think you're in competition for like the neighborhood light show? Oh, really? Yeah. See you from California, is what you said? Oh, yeah. So uh, I think we were stationed in uh, Mississippi. And that was the first time I ever saw anybody that had the FM transmitter. So when you drove by their house, you got the music and the light show. But this guy that I'm going to show you is the Guinness World Record holder and has held it for multiple years. So play this little clip.
1: Eyes of more than 40 miles worth of string lights. 40, Forty miles, miles of light. BUT NOT EVERYONE IS THRILLED WITH THIS IN THE SMALL TOWN. ABC'S TREVOR ALT EXPLAINS. IF YOU'RE DREAMING OF A LIGHT CHRISTMAS, THIS IS THE DAZZLING HOME DISPLAY IN ONE SMALL NEW YORK TOWN THAT PUTS CLARK GRISWOLD TO SHAME. With more than 720,000 lights, all programmed to music, Timothy and Grace Gay of Unionvale, New York, say since 2014, they've held the Guinness World Record for most lights on a residential property. It started very simple with just 600 lights on the two trees by the front steps. My brother suggested put lights around the pond. That was actually the spark that ignited adding more lights each year. The family says it takes them three months to set up the display with 40 miles of lights and eight miles of extension cords All carefully choreographed to the music through a computer program Now it's an annual event their small town of only 4,500 drawing anywhere from 50 to 100,000 visitors I was so mesmerized It's to drag around as many times as you want many locals say the event is a literal and metaphorical bright light and a massive fundraiser the gays collect donations from visitors they say over the past three decades they've brought in more than six hundred sixty five thousand dollars for charity much of that going to children's organizations and the family says their goal is to hit a million dollars in donations and they believe they can do that in the next few years so
0: and I appreciate the fact that they're taking donations for charity, and, and I'm not challenging their accounting and all. But when I got to because re- I do this, you find something and you got to read more about it. And They basically won the Guinness World Book of Records from a family in Australia that held it for 10 years, and they were going back and forth adding lights to see who would be the record holder. And I wa- wondered, somewhere in all of that, Did they perhaps lose what Christmas is to be about and Christmas lights? Uh, We've come a long way from German Lutherans that lit the first Christmas tree with wax candles in a cathedral in the late 1560s. Some of us are old enough to remember... Different types of light bulbs that didn't flicker unless there was something wrong with them. That's the only time they flickered. And as we were at my mother's house the other night, one of these projector—you guys got projectors at your house too, you know—the little like my mom's like, "How do they have all those balls keep coming around?" I'm like, "Mom, it's a projector where you're putting the light on it." But you, you know, I remember when there was like a multicolored disc that went on in front of a light that you had an aluminum foil tree. <laughs> And you young people are like, dude, I don't know where you're going with that. But don't get me wrong. I think Christmas lights are beautiful. And I'm amazed at how much time and money people pour into their home decorations. I mean, there's another lady in my mom's neighborhood that I took my mother to the, I I typically take my mom to the beauty shop on, on Fridays at lunchtime. I picked her up. The lady was working. I brought mom back from the beauty shop, and it's north of the church, so I'm going from Braun up there. The lady's still working. I go back that evening to pick up my mom for dinner. The lady's still working, and she's got beautiful lights, and I thought, wow, how much time? <clears throat> but let's go back to the original light, and if you have your Bibles, uh, we are holding where we were in John concluding, I think, the 19th chapter last week. We're going back to the first chapter of John because I fell back to the electionary passages, which are these prescribed uh, passages you preach every Sunday from year to year. They repeat every three years. So believe it or not, I have preached this particular passage here in 2017 and then uh, 2020 and now 2023. But they, they will focus on different ones. And if you would go to any other what I would say, a little more formal church than a Baptist, you probably will hear John 1, 6 preached sometime today. Um, John comes and says that he's a witness, he's a voice for the light of the world, and I think we must be too. So um, let me read verse 5, that way it kind of sets the stage because that's the first time he's really talking about light, you know. Most of us have memorized, and I spent a lot of time on, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But here in verse 5, he says, John says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. Now, granted, this is a different John. This is not the writer of John. This is John the Baptist. And... As one of my old chaplain buddies used to always say, you know, Jesus was a Baptist. And I'd say, how do you know that? He goes, well, he was baptized by John the Baptist, so he must be a Baptist. So, Some of you have never heard that. (laughs) There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness. That is the word in Greek, martyr. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. In verse 9, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. The true light. Let's pray. Father, as we talk about Christmas lights and the excitement that we all have about this season, let us not lose focus of the true light, of the Christ child, of the promised Messiah, of the one that John came preparing the way for that the writer of this gospel says is the true life, and that only through your light, through your Son, can we be redeemed. So, Father, let's bring it back to why it all was started in celebrating the birth of our Savior. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point, I think, as we look at this is witness, witness. And uh, before I go into that, I want to tell you, If you've ever been stationed in England, uh, Tesco is like their H-E-B equivalent. It's the largest supermarkets in a lot of British towns, Tesco. And about seven years ago, they started hiring Christmas light detanglers. Now Clark Griswold would have enjoyed that, but if you know the movie, he threw them to his son to unravel. and if you've ever been frustrated with undoing wires, which I would just throw them away and want to go buy new these days, but you had to be able to untangle three meters of wire, a little over nine feet, meter 39 inches I'm looking at the school teachers now, I don't know I forgot uh, in 30 seconds or less. Or maybe it was three minutes. Might as well have been 30 seconds for me because I would have stopped. I could have never got that job. And some of you say, why would you want that job? And I even pulled up this week the job description. It says, you must be passionate about your job. Unless it's paying a lot of money, I don't know if I'd have much passion. Well, John was not paid with money, but John was passionate that he was going to be the witness to the Messiah. He would be the one proclaiming, he greater than I is coming after me. Now, John was passionate about the light of the world, and I ask you this morning, are you passionate about the light of the world? John was called to be a witness, whether you like the Marvin Gaye version or the Rolling Stones version. Can I get a witness? Or... Grand Funk Chief, is that the other one who did it? Grand Funk? There there are several people who did that song. You need to remember that the Holland brothers wrote it after hearing years and years, sitting by their mother and grandmother in church, Can I Get a Witness? Isn't that interesting how church life still affects life outside in the civilian world or whatever you want to call it? Um, Can I Get a Witness? And, And anybody ever been in a church where somebody shouted out, Can I Get a Witness? Yeah, you're old. (laughs) Hadn't happened here in like seven years. Well, maybe he's never said anything. They say, can I get a witness? But that was kind of like the amen of the day, right? Can I get a witness? And some of you might even use that in your own common conversations. You might say something and, well, you know, I'm telling a story. Can I get a witness? In other words, it's happened to you. You believe it too. Can you be a witness to what I've experienced? John says, I am a witness to the one who's coming. The light of the world. Can I get a witness? He was called to testify, like a witness in a courtroom. How many of you have ever been called to be a witness in a courtroom? Yeah, you probably have. I'm looking at law enforcement. Yeah, there's a, yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody that's not in law enforcement ever been called to be a witness? Yeah. It's kind of, kind of strange. I mean, you can be a witness for the what the prosecution, or you can be a witness for the defense. And I will tell you, in 1985, I was called to be a witness in. Uh, the Douglas County Courthouse there in Tuscola, Illinois, where I was pastoring, for uh, one of my church members' uh, stepsons. I was to be, I guess they'd call that a character witness. I was there for the the defense. Uh, I had met him only probably three times uh, due to uh, a debilitating uh, condition with diabetes. He had gone blind and and was basically immobile, but I had gone to visit him a few times. And uh, they called me in, and I had to state my name had to state my address, had to state my profession. Then they asked me how long I'd known the accused, and then they told me to go sit down. I must have been the shortest witness known to man. How short would your witness be when it comes to testifying for Christ? How about you? How long is your witness? Have you spent more time decorating for Christmas than praying for the lost? I do all these because they hurt me. I'm not trying to hurt you. I try to preach to myself. Here's the next one. Did you spend more on Christmas gifts than you gave to Lottie Moon, which is the offering that helps support our foreign missionaries? So I got thinking, oh, man, I'd buy for like 15 people in our family. Well, Okay, I'll make it a little simpler. Have you donated enough to the Lottery Moon to reach what you give to a typical family member? Dan, where are you? Where are we close to our $9,000 goal for Lottie Moon? We're at 2000 And how many more weeks do we have to do that? A couple more. So I guess I'll have to preach that part again. All right. Are you a witness to the true light, or is your witness to the artificial light? The light that this world generates rather than the light that God sent to this world. I said earlier, if you remember the lights, that we if you're of my vintage somewhere, you know, north or south of my age, 10 years or thereabouts, you probably remember the light bulbs at Christmas trees, they had to be screwed in, right? Had about the size of your finger type of socket, and they were different colors. And when they got older, the color started deteriorating. And I don't know if it burned up or maybe the filament inside was so bright that now you could see the glowing mechanism inside. Some of you are laughing. You're still using those on your trees. <laughs> and you probably have paper cord, you know, extension cords. Yeah, something dangerous there too. Uh, but think about it this way. When you have Christ in your life, the element that burns within you will shine through. And the artificial facades that we put on on Sunday morning or even on a Christmas Eve service or any other service where we try to act the way we are to act or talk the way we are to talk. People can only see those facades, but has the facade gone away where people can see that the love of Christ is glowing in your life, the true light? If you read on in John, and that's the way the lectionary often does, it gives you two different passages that somehow the preachers to pull together. We read that John says he is the voice crying in the wilderness. He repeats an Isaiah passage. So if you have your Bibles, I think this is the next thing. As we move from witness, we move to voice, and we pick up at verse 19. Did I put that in there for them to follow along? Okay. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they asked, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the voice of Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord. I'll end it right there. Did I give him the rest of the verses? You got another slide? Yeah, it goes further in the lectionary reading. Let me just end it right there because I think that's the focus. He says, I am the voice. Because without a voice communicating the warning that we all need to hear, the cry that the Christ has come, we all will perish. So raise your voices, lift your voices, and proclaim the true light. Last week, my, in fact, I think the past two weeks, my wife and I have gone to two uh, band concerts that my daughter and her husband are both band directors. And, you know, wonderful. One was jazz, the other one was all the different levels playing and, and uh, all these Christmas hymns. Hymns, not like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm talking hymns. And I leaned over to my wife and I almost started crying, which is so easy these days. You get older, it's easier to cry. Why is that? Maybe the true inner self is coming through. No more facades, you know. I leaned over to her and I said, these songs are great, but unless you know the words, they've lost some other meaning. They're singing about the king. They're singing about the Christ child. They're singing about peace on earth. They're singing about God's love. But otherwise, if you don't have the words, and she said, well, if they had the words, they probably couldn't do them in church, I mean, in school. I'm like, well, yeah, that's true too. So thank God maybe somebody's teaching them something they can sing along to. Because you need to have a voice to proclaim the good news. When pushed for an answer, John quotes basically Isaiah 40, I think verse 3. Let me read you just a little bit of that so you understand. Um, Isaiah 43, the prophet writes, A voice of one calling... In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail. That makes me think of Psalm 90. Because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the, grass, the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on your high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, you lift your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. That's what Christmas is about. Here is your God. He came to this world for you and I. Lift up your voice. He becomes the voice, we become the voice, to point to God's dominion, his hope, his restoration that comes through his truth, through his Son. You know, we live in times not unlike John, Oh, I know, John didn't have Christmas lights, but uh, the world is our wilderness, competing with outside voices to follow. And often, we listen to every voice other than the voice of God. Ever have a teenager that wouldn't listen to you? Testimony time, come on. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Any teenager still here and want to hit your mother and father, don't. Because what I'm going to tell you, it's medically proven that that's the way your brain works. There was a study by Stanford Medical School. I think it's now three years old. Just stumbled on it this week because it's so true that babies in the womb can distinguish their mother's voice. But by the time adolescence hit, the brain, as it should, as it matures, gets excited and pays attention to other voices. So it's no wonder a teenager may not always listen to mom or to dad. Because the influence of the voices of the world are louder in their ears than mom and dads. It's not saying that they don't love mom or love dad, but the world is crying out just as John was crying out, and they rather listen to the world than to the Word of God. And from all that, I make my scholarly deduction, the world is full of teenagers. Remember I told you throughout this Gospel of John, there's a little bit of each one of these characters in all of us. There's a little bit of Nicodemus in us. There's a little bit of Judas in us. There's a little bit of Peter in us. There's a little bit of every character because you, you can connect. There's a little bit of teenager in each one of you. Some of you I know have not grown up, myself included. But I want to always be listening for the voice of God. Our world is wired like a teenager. John cried out the words that Isaiah had prophesied. You are but grass, and just as Psalm 90 says it, which grows in the morning, and then it's cut and withers and is blown away. But the one who created the meadows full of grass loves you and sent his son to be the forgiveness and restoration for the broken relationship you have with him. And we must believe that we are the living lights that communicate the light of Christ to the world. Not that we are the light, but we're like the Christmas lights, if you will. That we are to be reflecting what we have received from the Father. So, as we try to make way for the Lord... This week, as you turn on your Christmas sites, how many of you actually turn them on and leave them on all the time? Anybody? Yeah, it's becoming easier for me, although the new ones that I have now have this. You know, you can change the, the sequences and the how fast or whatever. And it, I don't know, it's just an extra step. But uh, maybe I'll try to do that with you as you unplug and plug them up every day these coming weeks, and maybe you'll want to leave them on year-round, you know, save you a step next year, save those people three months of work if they would do it, right, to leave them up. But when you do turn the lights on, remember that these are just the artificial lights that are to remind everybody else about the light of the world that came for you and I. And that Maybe as you light the lights, you pray that God sends somebody your way that you could share with them the light that is in you, that you hope is radiating from you because you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So as you turn on your light, pray that others would ask, why do you turn on lights? Well, because they represent my Savior. We live in a generation of teenagers, I don't know know if every teenager knows uh, Christmas Vacation, but I referred early to the Griswolds, you know. Anybody watch Christmas Vacation in your life? Yeah. Do you know that Chevy Chase is 80 years old? Some of you say, well, that's not old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you learned him as a young person, it does sound a little different, and recently there was a reunion for the Christmas Vacation characters, and because he's 80... As a joke, they rolled him out in a wheelchair. And then, of course, he got up, and as Chevy Chase does, he came very close to the edge of the stage, and he was known for always being a fall guy. He actually fell, which everybody thought was, unintention- was intentional, but it actually was unintentional. He actually bruised his knee very bad. He was able to get up, sat back down with his wife, and as he's sitting there... I don't have a fancy, are they eye watches? Is that what you call them these days? He had eye, his eye watch, and I want to get you the verbatim. It says, I see you have taken a great fall. His watch is saying that. I see you have taken a great fall. And his wife, if I, you, I didn't bring the clip or show you the clip. His wife is touching him saying, turn it off, because they're going to send the ambulances if you don't respond to this eye watch. So as I thought that, the actor silenced the phone's voice not wanting an ambulance to come. Don't silence Christ's voice in your heart, the voice that John says that we are to be a witness. Don't silence that voice. Don't silence or extinguish the message of light. Let your Christmas light shine. Stand with me, please, we pray. Father, as we come now to a time of invitation, if there's someone here who's never accepted Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we pray that this would be the moment that they let the light of Christ into their heart. That in his presence, they would confess their sin and accept him as their Savior. Father, perhaps there's others who just want to come to these steps and pray. Now the time, the door of the church is open. What better season to be receptive to the witness and the voice, the light of the world and let us be those lights. Let us be those radiators of the lights to show that there are believers around this world reflecting the light of Christ. Let us sing with our voices to proclaim the good news. Let us be witnesses to testify of the good news of Jesus. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name.